Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first debut episode of the Sanctus Nutrition Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. My name is Dr. Alex Brewer. I'm a pharmacist, and I'm the founder of Sanctus Nutrition. Our goal with this podcast, as with everything we do at Sanctus Nutrition, is to help you perform, feel, and look your best. If you're not familiar with Sanctus Nutrition, we make workout supplements, which are backed by science, and they're 100% naturally flavored. So no artificial sweeteners, no food dyes, no bullshit. You can check us out at Sanctus Nutrition, that's S-A-N-C-T-U-S, nutrition.com. And you can use the promo code SANCTUS15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Our first guest on the podcast, who is also making her first podcast appearance, is Rachel Kogan. I first met Rachel when she messaged us complaining about shipping prices to Canada. She was super cool about it, wasn't rude. And it was the first time that I realized that there were customers in Canada trying to buy our products. So her and I worked through that issue, and the relationship really grew from there. She loved our Focal Force pre-workout, and we loved the content she was putting out on the numerous platforms she uses. And I'm extremely excited to have her on as our first guest. So Rachel lives in Ontario, Canada with her husband and two kids. She's been in health and fitness for over 20 years now and is always self-experimenting to find what makes the greatest impact in her own life as well as the lives of those around her. She's never one to follow the rules and has made it her life's mission to help others find health, freedom through food, movement, and mindset. She's a self-taught ketogenic diet ambassador and educator as well as a self-proclaimed fat-adapted athlete. So that's enough of me talking. Let's get to the real reason you're here. Please enjoy my conversation with Rachel Kogan. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. It is a pleasure to have you. I have to point out to everyone watching and listening that this is not only Rachel's first podcast appearance, but this is also the first episode we've ever recorded for the Sanctus Nutrition Podcast. So we appreciate your patience if there are any hiccups throughout this process but hopefully it doesn't stop you from taking away a lot from this episode. So I've been excited to speak with you for a while now. I think you have an awesome Instagram account. I learn from it every day, so I'm really excited to get some of those tidbits out to everyone watching at home. Uh, but just could you give them a brief background on who you are and what you do? Yeah, so um, my name is Rachel. I, I live up in Canada. Um, I'm married. I have two uh, beautiful kids, one who's nine, one who's almost 11. Um, and so I grew up sort of like everyone else did, you know, with well-meaning parents and went to a good school and had a big family and all this stuff. Um, and over the years, um, health sort of always played into my life. Um, I watched people around me get sick and stuff like that. Um, but I never personally had any trouble, you know, with weight or anything, um, or diet or anything like that. Um, even into my twenties, um, I was never athletic. I was never sporty, nothing like that. Um, but, uh, I was a party girl. Um, so my diet was atrocious. Um, I, I would be at the bar, I would work at bars and then go to the bars. Um, so that was like my early um, early life. Um, it was kind of chaotic. Uh, diet was chaotic. Um, lifestyle was chaotic. Um, but strangely enough, in that 
time in my 20s, I found fitness and hired a really good trainer. Um, and not to lie, but it was so that I could look good at the bar. Because <laughs> um, that's what every girl wants. You get on the elliptical or the treadmill and you want to look good at the bar in your bar clothes. So that's where fitness first started for me, was just to look good. Um, and then I, you know, in my 30s, I developed more of a love for fitness because it made me feel really good. All those years of partying and stuff um, sort of affected my, my mind um, and my body. And I found that um, turning to fitness really, um, it just made me feel really good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then watching my parents as they got older, you know, no one likes to see their parents um, grow old um, or be sick or anything. And my dad developed rheumatoid arthritis um, a number of years ago and watching him struggle with the pain and it was very debilitating for him. Um, I always wanted to help him in some way. Mm -hmm. um, and then my mom uh, has been dealing with diabetes, type two diabetes for quite a long time. And again, I always felt this like real need to help my mom and dad. Um, and that sort of, I think, really started this fire inside me where I kind of had this basic knowledge of fitness and health, uh, nothing where it is today, but a basic knowledge of it. And I knew that there had to be some other way to help them than what the doctor was telling them. Um, so that's kind of what ignited it for me. And while I was thinking about this um, this week, uh, I heard a really good quote um, from, and I forget her name, but she said, if you speak your truth and the audience doesn't receive you, you need to change your audience. Um, so that's what I've done. I've moved on from, you know, trying to help my parents. I've never pushed anything on them, mm -hmm. but I've moved on from trying to help my parents and the people closest to me into, you know, starting the Facebook groups, starting Instagram accounts. Um, I started a fitness page about four years ago and it's up to 3000 followers. So those are the people who I work for with my, you know, uh, ramblings on about health and fitness and food mm -hmm. and nutrition and, and well-being and all that. They're the people who come to me now, and I don't have to try and, and, and help the people who maybe aren't ready to be helped. So, mm -hmm. yeah, so that's sort of how it all started with me. Yeah, we talk a lot when we look at um, helping patients who are, like you said, and maybe engaged in lifestyle behaviors that are detrimental to their health. And you mentioned this, and I'd like to go back to it, but trying to reach out to people who want to receive your message. Yeah. People who aren't quite ready to change. So yeah. like you said, you can't change people who aren't receptive to change. It's so hard. What made you realize you were ready to change? You mentioned, you know, going from wanting to look good at the bar. Yeah. We, I think most of us can relate to. Uh, yeah. When you're younger, you mainly work out to look good or for sports. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what made you realize you were ready to take the big leap forward and do it for your health? Um, there was a few things. I got pregnant um, in my 30s and I developed um, gestational diabetes. Um, and then again with my second pregnancy. And again, I was always questioning. <laughs> I'm a questioner. I was always questioning what the doctors were saying um, about 
about the nutrition advice. Mm -hmm. um, I'd kind of stopped working out during that time. I sort of lived a little bit as a single mom, um, even though I was married, but I kind of had the, the lifestyle of a single mom, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, I think it stemmed a lot from being pregnant those two times and being pumped full of insulin all the time mm -hmm. and never getting better. Um, it just, it didn't make me better. It just made me gain more, gain more weight um, and feel worse. Um, and then <clears throat> as I kept putting on weight, I, I now know that that's because of the insulin. Um, I also developed eating disorders um, during my pregnancies. So while most women try not to throw up, <laughs> that's not what they want. I was purposely um, binging and purging during my pregnancies. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just an absolute mess. Um, uh, I did not respond well to pregnancy. And uh, after that, I kind of, I, I started off on a track of trying all different diets. That's sort of when, it's, when it started. Um, again, part of it was to look good, but um, I, was, I was just struggling, I think, to find something that worked for me. And I knew there had to be something out there. Mm -hmm. Taken me 40 years to find keto, but um, I found it. And yeah, it was all this time of just um, uh, trying different things. I don't know. And trying to find what my body responded to mm -hmm. and what felt right. So yeah, no, it's just been a journey the whole time. So uh, it all sort of played into a played into itself on, on how I got here today. So, yeah. I know we're going to dive deep into keto, <clears throat> yeah. but I do want to hear how you found the diets you did try. So what, you know, when you were going through different diets, trying to find what worked for you, what made you to, what made you decide to try or not to try a certain diet? Yeah, so um, for most people, like we said before, um, mainly it was for a physical um, thing first. Mm -hmm. um, I suffered from adult acne for since I was about 20, 25. Um, and I often tried different diets to help that. Um, I often found that um, it was a hormonal thing. And if I could just find the the hormone or the thing or the food that was causing the disruption, I could make it better. And again, I, I, I've tried everything. I've tried cutting out cheese and coffee and um, I mean, alcohol, every, like all the main things, peanut butter, mm -hmm. all these things and uh, nothing helped. So that, that was a huge part of a lot of the diets I've tried was trying to, I knew there was something going on inside me that it wasn't just, you know, a face washing problem or something mm -hmm. or um so a lot of diets um stemmed from that um and then also just being a girl wanting to look good i did go through a period um right before keto of um not eating meat um so i didn't eat any um red meat or pork the opposite <laughs> of keto i i'm now the opposite of that um <laughs> So I, and that was not, um, uh, a health reason at all. I love cows. I still love cows and pigs and chickens. And I think they're adorable and they're smart and they're, you know, it's sad when they're not taken care of properly. Um, so that was my main reason for being 
And, and some weeks I would go full vegetarian um, and eat lots of tofu and stuff like that. And I was, I just felt, I did not feel good ever. <laughs> I was eating upwards of seven times a day during that time. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get full. Um, I was eating massive salads all the time. My stomach was always upset. Um, but I thought I was doing the best thing for the planet and the cows. And I, that was more important to me than, than even thinking about eating a hamburger. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that, yeah, about five months into keto, I just realized like something went, wait a second, this would be so much easier, <laughs> um, if you would just eat meat. And I put it out onto like Facebook and Instagram. And I said, listen, I know some of you follow me because I'm this way and I don't eat meat. Um, and some of you might think I'm a flip flopper or I can't decide what I'm doing, but this is what I'm going to do and love it or hate it. But I'm, I've decided to incorporate meat again and I'm just going to see how I feel. And if I don't feel good from that, then maybe I'll just go back to being somewhat vegetarian. And I just felt better mm -hmm. and better. And now you literally cannot almost get me to eat a vegetable. I would <laughs> way prefer a bunless burger or a steak or, you know, eggs or bacon or something like that. So, you sneak yeah, in avocado so, from time to time. I see it. What's that? I said you sneak in an avocado every once in a while, right? I, yeah, I have a hard time getting rid of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, for those um, who may not have heard of keto, which that number seems to be shrinking. Can you yeah. give us a brief, you know, one-on-one -on -one basic overview? Yeah, so um, we, we have the standard American diet, which um, is what I would say the majority of the population is eating, especially in North America, but it's definitely sort of that standard diet is, is worldwide, I would, I would say, where it's a carb-centric diet, meaning a, a high-carb diet. It's also often high fat, um, but not the good kinds of fat. So stuff in baking, um, like pastries and stuff like that, where you've got um, the trans fats and stuff like that. So you're eating processed foods and high carbs and um, yeah, starches at every meal and stuff like that. So that's a sort of a standard diet. Um, and switching over to a ketogenic diet, you're cutting out the sugars and grains, starches and carbs and your main focus is to get um, a lot of fat in your diet. So you wanna be eating upwards of 65 to, I mean, even up to 80 or 90% fat from your diet. Um, I prefer saturated fats for, for mine, for my diet, um, but olive oils and avocados and stuff like that are also really good. Um, so when the body um, decides that there is no longer any glucose to burn. It's going to start creating uh, ketone bodies uh, from the liver and fueling your body and your brain that way. And ketones are actually your brain's preferred fuel source. So um, it makes it a really good diet for anyone with neurological issues, um, mood issues, um, even some brain cancers, stuff like that, because it is it is a preferred fuel source for for your brain so and that's one of the the huge benefits i've noticed from it like we talked about my past a little bit and and how it was chaotic and messed me up a little bit um so it's really been uh like eye-opening and, and such a nice clarity that i've gotten from the diet that 
that's one of the hugest benefits. I think that most people, you know, it starts off as weight loss for a lot of people, like most diets do. Um, and then when you see the, the clarity, it's, it's something that you want to continue. So, yeah, I hope that explained it enough, but I think most people kind of know what it is, but. Yeah, I think that that's a good overview. Yeah. So when we get to the logistics of actually getting into ketosis, mm -hmm. knowing you're in ketosis. Okay. How do you, how would you suggest someone uh, walk through that process? And can you talk a little bit about measuring your ketones? Yeah, so I think there's two different ways to transition to keto. Well, I mean, there's probably a thousand different ways. Everyone's really individual and the diet is really individual. Um, but so there's the people who live off, like I said, Twinkies and uh, two liter pops, like for every meal and they're eating out all the time and a lot of, a lot of carbs and a really, really horrible diet. I think for them, it might be easier to do it slowly. Um, to you know switch one meal to keto or to try and cut back on the carbs over a course of a little while um, because it just might be so far the other way that they just mm -hmm. it won't make sense they can't continue they'll feel horrible um, I think for those people who are so far on the other side that it might be a little bit easier for them to um, switch or not over a very long period of time but just and then finally make the switch. And then there's people like me who already were eating fairly healthy, healthy. And, um, you know, I was still afraid of carbs and stuff, but I was also afraid of fat. But all I had to do was add fat mm -hmm. and I felt fine. I didn't get keto flu. I didn't get any of that discomfort. I felt great. So I think there's, it's kind of, it's kind of individual, but I think that, yeah, if you're coming from way on the other end of the spectrum, then it might be a little bit easier to switch out a meal here and there and then finally make the switch. Okay. And then it's cold and then it's cold turkey. I don't suggest people like <clears throat> dabble in keto and then come in and out. Um, but yeah, if you're sort of more on the healthy side, I think it's much easier to transition because you have a little bit of a better understanding and a little bit better, we'll call it willpower, I mm. guess. Um, so and then to know when you're in ketosis, excuse me, <clears throat> um, there are, well, right now there's three different ways that you can test. There's, excuse me, <clears throat> there's urine strips, there's a blood meter, and there's a breath meter. Mm -hmm. I've personally only ever tried the blood meter. Um, I didn't waste my time or my money on the pee strips because once you're fat adapted and keto adapted, um, the color on the strip will get less and less and less as you burn the ketones. So they're not as accurate for showing, you know, if you're in ketosis or maybe you're just dehydrated or, you know, there's different variables that make it a little less accurate. The blood meter, from what I hear from people who've also tried the breath meter, the blood meter is the most consistent. Um, you don't have to charge it. You don't have to do these weird things. I heard the, the breath meter can be a bit glitchy um, so the blood meter, you prick your finger just like a diabetic would, and um, it will test the amount of beta-hydroxybutyrate in your blood. Um, so nutritional ketosis is considered anything between 0.5 millimolars and 3.0 millimolars. Um, and I often test myself 
um, sometime in the afternoon, um, and I'll read between um, 0.9 and 2.5, um, depending on what I've eaten that day. Uh, so test my ketones maybe once or twice a week, um, just more out of curiosity uh, if I've eaten something different, but my diet's really consistent. I don't mind eating a lot of the same things all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I had a pretty good idea of the amount of fat um, that I like to eat and that I want to eat. Uh, so I often just test out of curiosity just to make sure I'm in that sweet spot. Um, and yeah, and then some other testing that I do is um, I do the in-body test at my local gym. So I do that once a month um, and I've been doing that consistently probably for about five or six months mm -hmm. um, and I just like to see my lean body mass change uh, body fat percentage which doesn't change a whole lot it's gone up down maybe four percent and then up another two I did a cutting experiment um, a few months ago uh, I actually put on two pounds of lean mass and dropped like two or three or something like that. So it's kind of cool to get a gauge that way of how you're, how you're doing weight wise, body fat wise, mm -hmm. uh, lean mass wise. So yeah, that's another way. What's that? It's, it's called the in body test. Yeah. So it's like a, a scale that you step on and then it's got some handles that you hold right. and it sends some sort of electricity through you. I don't know. And it, it measures, uh, it measures more than just your weight. Uh, so, and it gives you sort of a breakdown of, of what your lean mass is compared to everything else. So, okay. um, and again, that's, uh, that's more for a, a performance type thing and also body composition to see where I'm at and how I'm progressing and mm -hmm. if I'm progressing, uh, in the gym or anything like that. So, um, yeah, so yeah, for the last six months I've been doing it and my lean mass has gone up a few pounds, which is nice. So I know I'm, I'm gaining a little bit of muscle. Right. Um, yeah. When you were first starting out, did you measure your ketones more often? Uh, yeah, probably. Um, it's kind of exciting to see these little numbers pop up on the, on the screen. So more out of just excitement of the whole thing, mm -hmm. I found I was doing it more. Um, I've never gone so crazy as to like, um, test a few times a day where, um, I want to see how, you know, steak affects me or potatoes affect me or anything like that. I know there's some people who, who love to self-experiment that way, but the strips are so expensive, <laughs> um, that I just, I just do it more out of curiosity. If I've, you know, gone out the night before and had a glass of wine or two with a really big steak. Um, something like that, I'll check the next day just to be like, okay, am I still good? <laughs> but again, it's, I know how to, how to keep it consistent. So even if I was to come out of ketosis for a few hours, um, I know how to get right back in. Mm -hmm. So it's just a nice tool to have just to sort of guide you along, but it's, you know, some people never test and that's fine too. Would you say at this point that you can tell by the way your body feels and is performing whether or not uh, yeah it's you know it's funny because I find keto has been the most intuitive diet I've ever tried um, uh, you just become so almost hyper aware of I don't know if you want to call them symptoms or or feedback from your body 
So if I have like a sore joint, I, I used to have this thing in my thumb that used to really bother me. And when that gets sore, I'm like, what am I doing? What's different? Or, you know, my shoulder, I had a, a shoulder injury that lasted uh, three years up until a few months ago. Um, I could barely work out my back, my shoulders, my arms without always kind of babying it. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't up until I got super deep into keto um, really, really knowing what I was doing, that that shoulder pain disappeared. Mm -hmm. So if it ever sort of creeps back in, I'm like, what am I doing? Or same with my acne, it's gotten so much better. And when it sort of flares up, I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. So you become kind of hyper aware. Um, so not just with a blood meter or the scale, but mm -hmm. just your own body's feedback is, is, I find like the best gauge sort mm -hmm. of thing headaches, um, you know, bloating, stuff like that, um, trouble recovering after workouts, um, you kind of know that um, you could need some tweaking. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not an obsessive thing, but you just kind of, you're just so hyper aware of all this feedback that you know that, that you can kind of fix it if you really tried. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, there was a saying they stressed to us in pharmacy school, which was, treat the patient, don't treat the lab. So even if you yeah. have a lab value that says, you know, it's normal, but you're still showing symptoms, like you said, then it's, it's a good way to gauge whether or not something's working. Yeah, so that's, that's sort of how, how my, my, you could call it testing or whatever is a daily thing, but just checking in and seeing what's, what's up. Right. And, uh, yeah. So let's shift gears and talk about the uh, meat of the keto diet so meat. Talk, talk about the foods you eat uh yeah so i it's mainly meat based now um i much prefer red meat over chicken or fish mm -hmm. um i love eggs um although i don't eat as much of them anymore because i've over the past year slowly cut out breakfast um mm -hmm. and eggs are still sort of a breakfasty kind of food um so i start my day off with a black coffee early um, well not early but i get to work at nine so i'll have one at about 8 30 when i get into work a black coffee and then at about 10 30 i have a bulletproof coffee mm -hmm. and i don't go overboard with that either so minimal amounts of mct um, i use the brain octane um, mct i use ghee and mm -hmm. i'll use heavy cream and a little bit of stevia but it's still only maybe 250 calories so i'm not doing like a 400 calorie or 600 calorie coffee that's gonna wipe out nutrition for the rest of the day mm -hmm. um, some people do that and if it works for you great but i'd rather have some lunch later um so so the coffee just sort of gets me through the morning it makes me you know not late for work <laughs> because i'll have that coffee when i get to work mm -hmm. um, yeah so i really enjoy coffee um, i really enjoy bulletproof coffee and then at lunch, it's always meat-based. Um, I like ground beef, uh, leftover steak from the night before, um, sardines uh, maybe once a week, um, and maybe an omelet once or twice a week with some bacon in it. Uh, I don't eat a lot of cheese anymore because I did find that that was one of the things um, that I noticed affected me, both um, skin-wise and mm -hmm. digestively. Um, when I first started keto, it was all about the cheese and 
cheese casseroles and cheese buns and fat head and the cheese and bacon appeal right yeah so it started out that way and i did okay with it um but now I, i've noticed that the more cheese i have the worse i feel mm -hmm. so i really limit it and that's why i use ghee and heavy cream um because they're just more higher in fat than than uh oh and the ghee has no lactose and the heavy cream has minimal so mm -hmm. Um, those are the only sort of dairies I'll do. Um, cheese once in a while, but I know that it'll affect me. Uh, yeah, so ground beef at lunch. I like butter on my ground beef. Um, and yeah, for dinner, we eat as a family. Mm -hmm. So it's always a family meal of either steak or taco. They'll have tacos, I'll have taco salad or mm -hmm. burgers with no buns. Um, we do chicken thighs, chicken wings. Um, mine are often just, you know, with a slight rub on them or salt and pepper, mm -hmm. the family likes barbecue sauce and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's mostly meat based. I throw in, uh, cooked zucchini, cooked broccoli and spinach. Oh, and I eat seaweed snacks, <laughs> those little packets of seaweed. Uh -huh. uh, I used to buy them for my kids and I realized I'm like, oh, it's green and it's simple to eat. I'll eat that. So that's my vegetable a few times a week. So you do yeah. any sort of meal prep or are you mainly cooking fresh every day? I cook fresh most days unless we're doing a big batch of chicken thighs. Mm -hmm. um, that's something that comes in such a big pack that, um, that I don't mind doing a few days worth of that. Mm -hmm. But like I said, I don't prefer chicken and steak doesn't last long. So we'll do a few big steaks for dinner and my son can eat a lot of steak too. So I don't have as much leftovers as I'd like. <laughs> um yeah i know um so he's yeah he's eat, he, he's eating a lot of steak um but yeah we eat as a family so it's mostly fresh family meals every night and then if there's a bit of leftover whatever i'll take that for lunch but i don't do a whole lot of meal prep um but i do i'm the one that grocery shops so okay. what we get is what i want <laughs> and if someone wants something different then they buy it so are you um, also the one that cooks no uh, my husband gets off work two or three hours earlier than me. Mm -hmm. So he picks up the kids from school and starts dinner. Uh, and, but he'll cook what I've bought, um, which is often steaks or broccoli or mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. We don't eat pasta anymore as a family. Um, we don't buy potatoes or rice or anything. So my kids eat keto a couple times a day, but not completely. Mm -hmm. Um, I do their breakfasts and their lunches um, first thing in the morning. So. Gotcha. Yeah. So it sounds like you don't necessarily follow recipes when it comes to preparing meals. It's more of, you have a few basic staples. Yeah. I assume you, you maybe rotate some spices. You've mentioned some different rubs. What are some of your favorites as far as seasoning the meat? Uh, mostly salt. <laughs> like you never really layers, go wrong. layers of salt. Um, and, uh, I use the flavor God seasonings, uh, mm -hmm. sometimes, or just butter and, and Frank's hot sauce or something on the wings. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm happy with salt and pepper. My taste buds are really, I don't know. They're, they're pretty simple. Like I don't need a whole lot of anything. Yeah. I, I like the way the food tastes the way it is with, uh, with salt though. <laughs> Would you say that that? happened over time or was or have you always been that way i feel like i've always been that way um 
And I feel like maybe that's how I've, I was never, you know, even in my largest times, like, which was not big at all. I'm a pretty small person. Um, I've always kind of preferred simple stuff. I could eat eggs and I've eaten probably eggs for 20 years in a row every morning. Mm -hmm. Where some people are like, they start keto and one month in, they're like, I hate eggs. I can't eat eggs anymore. I'm like, I've eaten eggs every day for 20 years and it's never bothered me. Same with like, you know, chicken thighs. Like I've eaten chicken thighs because I didn't eat meat, like red meat for like five years in a row. That's what I ate every day. Like mm -hmm. I'm totally fine with just the simpler, the better. We're busy. Um, both of us, uh, my husband and I work out in the evenings. so the easier and the simpler the meal um the better mm -hmm. and salt makes everything taste really good so when you're working with clients who are transitioning into keto yeah what do you i tell them this i tell them the same thing just go yeah. simple okay well, so yeah would, would you say that, that that's your number one like kind of advice you give them when they're transitioning uh i don't it's definitely part of my advice that's for sure Mm -hmm. um, to not think of all these either keto cakes or cookies or um, the only thing that's really nice to have are sometimes the fathead um, crusts or yeah. fathead buns or something, mm -hmm. which takes a few ingredients. Um, but that's about the extent of it. I tell them to stick to, you know, whole foods, real foods, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, because it's just, it's just so much easier and it's easy to prep. Um, you know, a bunch of chicken thighs or chicken wings or ground beef or something like that. So I think the simpler, the better. And then once they get the hang of it, and once they understand if they want to count their macros, um, once they understand how to break up recipes into macro, mm -hmm. you know, into the breakdown, then do that. But in the beginning, it's just like, they could eat half a casserole and have no idea that they just consumed 2000 calories, right? Right. So, until the, there's more of an understanding and they want to play around more. But I, I suggest simple is best. Yeah. yeah. Number one all-time favorite keto meal. You can only eat one for the rest of your life. What is it? Ribeye. <laughs> With Same. butter and salt. <laughs> Same. Yeah. I, I am pretty, you mentioned eating eggs every day for 20 years. So I, I also, I eat eggs every morning going yeah. on probably eight or nine years. Doesn't bother yeah. me. I could eat no. steak on a daily basis yeah. for 50 years <laughs> I know. never get sick of it. And no. just, like you said, salt, pepper, butter, Yeah, good to go. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. yeah. So what are some good resources for someone who's looking to get started in keto? Um, well, there's my page. There's my Facebook page and there's other pages like that too. Um, I turned to a lot of them. Um, some of them really got me started and um, the keto evangelist group is mm -hmm. amazing. Um, so they have the ketogenic athlete podcast and the keto evangelist podcast mm -hmm. who I like binge listen to. Um, there's, yeah, there's probably uh, quite a number of podcasts out there that I binge listen to. Um, and some, some people like others more than I do and I like other ones. Um, like I love the ketogenic athlete because they're always talking to athletes and I get, I get good insight mm -hmm. into performance and stuff like that. So for me, that's interesting. 
whereas other people care more about recipes and stuff like that. But there's tons of podcasts. So I suggest, you know, while you're in your car or on the bus, just listen. You're like, and I've been listening, I probably listen to at least five podcasts a week on keto. And um, I didn't used to, I used to listen to like other podcasts, but now I've mainly gone to keto podcasts and I learn something new every single time. So whether you're starting at podcast number one or podcast number 50 of this, whoever it is, you're going to get information um, that's either going to benefit you or benefit someone in your family. So podcasts are really great. Um, and yeah, Facebook groups, a lot of them are just free to join, um, open to the public. Uh, you can ask questions in there. I know with my group, um, it like the community and the accountability is like, is like nothing else. Like you're just getting feedback from people who, who've been through what you, you're going through or, or stuff like that. And then there's some really good books. There's really good books to, to either get you started or if you're a little bit further in and you want more information or if you're just really geeky. I, I loved uh, The Big Fat Surprise by Nina and I cannot pronounce her last name. <laughs> will, with, for, for everyone watching, we will have links yeah. to everything that Rachel's mentioned. Yeah. Um, so the big fat surprise was a game changer book for me. Um, it's a really hefty read, but mm -hmm. really, oh my, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Not sure why that connected through my computer. <laughs> um, and then obviously Jimmy Moore's books are, are pretty easy to get through. So for beginners, the keto clarity book and cholesterol clarity, really easy reads, but really useful information. Um, the ketogenic Bible is a great resource. Um, not something you have to read through from front to back. You can flip through it. Um, and they answer a lot of questions in that book. Um, yeah, so, you know, there, and there's stuff all over the internet too now. Um, but there's stuff you have to weed through it because there's conflicting information. So, you know, I, I mean, it is, it is what it is, but resources available now, I think, like you mentioned at the beginning, it's not the undiscovered diet like it was, you know, let's say mm -hmm. 10 years ago, mm -hmm. So there's a lot more information out there for better or for worse yeah. for people to find. So that's why I like asking what resources you go to, yeah. to help direct people towards the more legitimate ones that, yeah. uh, that are around for the right reasons. Exactly. And, you know, I feel like uh, with people like my parents who hear me say, oh, maybe if you substitute this kind of butter instead of margarine or whatever. And I read today on, on Dr. Google that this is bad for you or whatever. I think people are, the older generation still don't get that now everything, I can see everything like PubMed, you name it, medical journals, I can access that. I can know more than your doctor does. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes I do, in some cases, know more than my doctor does on certain topics. Uh, they might know how to stitch up a wound, but there's so much out there that you can literally, like you teach yourself. Mm -hmm. And you can give yourself medical advice and it's not like laughable like it used to be, like, oh, you searched Google and now you're gonna die of cancer. Well, no, really, you, 
like you might have searched Google and exactly found that answer. And that could be true because it's all there now. It's all there. Mm -hmm. And you can find it and you can, you can do so much research. So what would you say to someone who is wanting to shift from, let's say they're mainly eating processed foods, fast mm -hmm. foods, they don't cook. Mm -hmm. and they are worried about the amount of time it may take. Hmm. Well, I think some people just aren't ready and they'll find an excuse for anything. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I was, I'm part of this other Facebook group and someone was complaining that she was too broke to be keto, but also she didn't have time to cook and all like all of these things. And people were saying, okay, well just, and she's, she didn't know how, how to get enough fat in her diet and she didn't know this. And she had all these questions and people were like spewing out answers, like have a fatty coffee and, um, you know, go find a sale and buy all the bacon and have it in your freezer. And there's so many things you can do, but I think some people just, they don't want to listen. They, they, they'll ask and ask and ask and never act on anything. So unless you're ready to, to make the change and you're committed to it, I don't think it's going to happen for you until you're ready. Really? Like it's, it's hard work if you make it hard work. Um, but if you make it a commitment to yourself and your family, then, then it doesn't seem so bad. Yeah, this is the end game, right? Like, what are you doing it for? What's your, what's your reason? Like not to complain about everything you're doing it for. There's a reason for it. Yeah. <clears throat> so I want to transition and talk about exercise. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little about your training routine. Um, I, so I'll go to the gym, we'll say five to seven times a week. Um, the nights I don't go, um, I'm either too busy or kids activities are taking place or something. Um, or I'm, you know, the odd time I'm too sore to go and tired and that, that happens. Uh, so I'll do, I do yoga at home on nights off, rest days. Um, so, I like to superset everything mm -hmm. because I hate cardio. <laughs> I've never enjoyed cardio ever. Um, so I often, nowadays, I'm doing like one body part a week or what? yeah, one body part a training session. Mm -hmm. So I'll work on biceps. I may throw in triceps just to keep my heart rate up, but my main focus for an hour is biceps. Uh, another day's back, another day's chest. Shoulders is one of my favorites. And I try and hit legs twice a week. Um, but if I'm busy, I, I don't always get to it. Um, but I don't have a set routine. I have nothing written out except in my fitness pal. I um, There's a little spot for your exercise notes. Mm -hmm. And I'll just write in legs. And that's all I write in. So that when I look back over the week of what I've done, I say, Oh, Tuesday, I did legs. I should probably be hitting legs again. So mm -hmm. there's no set day, set exercises because our gym can be quite busy depending mm -hmm. on the day or the evening. Um, so whatever is available and open, mm -hmm. I'm like, I will jump on it and then I will not leave it. So if I get a bench and it's really busy in there, you will not get me off that bench for the whole time. I will find like 10 things to do on that bench. So yeah, I make do with what's available at the time at the gym because it's a really busy gym mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, and I'll, I'll stay for an hour, an hour and 25 minutes, depending on if I do a bit of rowing at the beginning. Um, but yeah, I just, I, it's sort of intuitive for me. I know what I want to pop, I guess. Like if I want to work on my shoulders, um, I'll go hard on shoulders and I, I'll want them to pop. Um, yeah, and then abs are thrown in, you know, sporadically. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but I always tell anyone I talk to who's fairly new to working out, don't spend half your time doing crunches. <laughs> like just don't, because if you're, if you've got even a 45 pound bar across your back and you're going up and down 10 or 15 times, your core is working. Like it's working. And if you're picking up 35 pound hand weights and walking across the other side of the room, your core is working. Like it doesn't matter. You can, you can work your core even when you're not thinking about it. So don't waste half your time on ab exercises unless that's something you really want to build muscle in. Right. So your core is work no matter what. And, and I like keeping that in mind while I'm working out. I don't like to waste time on doing specific necessarily core exercises. Mm -hmm. I, just make sure I engage my core the whole time. So, uh, yeah. Has training always been intuitive to you? You mentioned how you, you know what you want to work and yeah. you know what do with what's available. Have you always been that way or, or has it been a, you know, kind of a learning process over time to where you're comfortable I, enough doing that now? I, uh, I think, I think I mentioned before how I'd hired a trainer. Right. <clears throat> he was amazing. So even though I was probably like 22 or something at the time, so it was a long time ago that I worked with him. And he literally paved the way for how I work out now with teaching me how to superset, teaching me how to drop set, um, you know, teaching me the intensity I need for mm -hmm. training. Um, and uh, yeah, he just sort of paved the way on how I train even like 20 years later that um, you need intensity if you want to see anything or feel anything. Mm -hmm. And um you don't need to do the cardio if you want to drop set or superset. You can get, you know, enough enough of your heart rate going up. So yeah, I've pretty much when I work out in the gym, it's always kind of been like that. Um and it's worked for me. Um and when I was on my own, when I finally left my husband, my ex-husband, um, and I moved in with my parents, um, I got a yoga mat and like a, a medicine ball or something and some like five or 10 pound hand weights and I would watch YouTube videos and I would just do home workouts. And I did that for probably three years. Mm -hmm. And every so often I'd add a new piece of equipment, um, a lot of hit training um, where I would be in and out of their basement within like 20 or 30 minutes. So I, and I love that style of training too. Uh, I just don't do it much anymore because I, I definitely like a little bit heavier stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, I like both of those kind of things like functional training uh, jumping and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was this trainer recommended to you or did you just happen to get a good one? Uh, he was a friend of a friend. Okay. And, uh, when we lived in Vancouver, I lived in Vancouver at the time. And, uh, my ex-husband had, um, we'll just say a pretty good job. And he hired me. Basically he was a trainer that trained, um, professional you know, athletes mm -hmm. and actors that would be in Vancouver. And so he was top of the line 
And my husband was like, okay, we're going to get this guy because he was a friend of a friend. And I trained with him probably for two years in a small, tiny little trainer's gym, uh, which was super nice. And uh, yeah, no, it just, we just happened to know him through someone else. So mm -hmm. yeah. I feel like some people have this impression of a trainer that you have to have one forever. Right. And it, it sounds like from your experience, it's more of, you know, you stick with them for a little bit. Yeah. And as long as you're paying attention. Yeah. And actively learning. Yeah. And, and they don't have to be the best, like the, you know, the most expensive trainer. Mm -hmm. um, it has, to, it's going to be the person that, that works you out to the extent that you need, you need it and who um, pays attention to you and your body. Um, so it can be someone who's, you know, $25 an hour at the local gym, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. um, as long as you're getting value out of it, um, I think it's important. And I think, I think coaches and trainers are some of the best money anybody can spend, whether it's health, fitness. Um, I have a life coach mm -hmm. who um, walks me through anything to do with my uh, fitness pages or my keto coaching that I do. Um, she helps me with relationship advice. Um, and that's some of the best money you can spend on yourself is because there's no handbook, right, to life. But it's nice to have someone who's kind of got your back and when you misstep, sort of help you back um, to get back on track. So yeah, whether it's a, a fitness trainer or a coach of any kind, um, yeah, you use them and you pay the money for it, whether it's a lot of money or a little money. And I think there's so much value in that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think enough people um, access that. So it's, it's taken me a while to realize that I could have been so much further along had I hired one of these coaches mm -hmm. even a year ago. I, I love spending the money on it. Like it makes me feel good knowing mm -hmm. that she's got my back and she gives me tips and advice and that kind of thing. And, stuff that I thought I knew and I don't know. Same as a fitness trainer, right? Right. It's, yes. it's an investment in yourself and similar to investing your money. A lot of people regret not doing it earlier. Yeah. Same way with your body. Yeah. A lot of people regret not investing that money and time into their mm -hmm. body earlier. And just like with money, sometimes it can be too late. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, at some point you've done the damage and there's only so much we can reverse. Right. So I think that's a really important message for everyone mm -hmm. to take away is you want to invest in yourself. Yeah. You want to do it before it's, you know, past the point of no return. <laughs> so could you tell us a little bit more about your yoga practice? Um, it, it ebbs and flows. Uh, so I will... I will have bouts where I want to do yoga all the time. Um, and then I have bouts where I just want to be in the gym and train hard. I get this like fire inside and I just want to lift, 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 lift. And then I forget how good it feels to like dim the lights and, you know, just put on a comfy t-shirt and just breathe for a bit. But every time I come back to that, I feel like, a million bucks um like even though it's such a slow pace for someone who, who's like me who's like supersetting and drop setting and squatting and all this stuff um it's such a different pace and it's just kind of nice to take that breath every so often mm -hmm. um and stretch which is something that sometimes us 
gym rats don't tend to do very often or remember to do is like, okay, sit on a mat and put your legs out and actually stretch. Um, so it's a, it's a nice way to take, take that back, uh, take it back a bit and like breathe and stretch. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you understand sort of <clears throat> the flow state of the mind and what happens to you during yoga, um, especially, and I'll watch, um, I have a few favorite YouTubers who I follow and that's where I get my yoga videos from. Who do you follow? Who are amazing. What's that? Who do you follow? Uh, the Journey Junkie okay. and Leslie Fightmaster. They're my two favorites right now. <clears throat> and um, yeah, they just have really beautiful practices. Um, the way they talk you through the poses and bring you back to the mindset, you know, that goes along with yoga. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a, a really nice way to reconnect and to, it's, a, it's like a moving meditation almost. Mm -hmm. it's, it's nice. So yeah, I'll do that. I'll try and do it twice a week, but sometimes it's only once a week. Um, yeah. Would you say you have a separate like mindfulness or meditation practice or is it primarily yoga? Uh, no, I have um, daily mindfulness, sometimes hourly mindfulness. I, um, every night I play, um, I don't know if you've heard of Insight Timer. Mm -hmm. It's a meditation app, it's free. Um, they have upwards of 6,000 choices of meditations to choose from, mm -hmm. all free. Um, so I put my earbuds in every night and that's how I go to bed. Um, and I really like guided meditations, which is someone who's guiding you through a visual, um, either a body scan or sort of just taking you on a journey. Mm -hmm. And that's a really nice way to quiet my mind. So that's one thing I, I love to do. Um, I also listen to um, binaural beats while I read at night mm -hmm. um, to help calm my mind before bed. Um, and then binaural beats. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a, a set frequency. There's a few different ones. There's theta and delta, and I can't think of the other ones. But anyways, those are the two that I listen to, the theta and the delta waves. So they're brain waves that um, as you're listening to them, it sets your brain on this calm, uh, how can I explain it? It calms your brain. Uh, how can I explain it? Anyways, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a set frequency that calms your mind. We'll just mm -hmm. put it that. Or it creates creativity um, through brain waves. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it's a very specific uh, frequency that you listen to. So, um, but the ones I listen to are more relaxing brain waves. Um, so that's a daily thing. And then, um, every day that I'm on the bus, I meditate. Mm -hmm. So I have a 45 minute to an hour long bus ride to and from work. Um, and there's some stretches of road that passes by lakes. And so there's water. Um, and every day that we pass the water, so it's twice a day, I look out the window and it's about, a, about a minute long. Mm -hmm. And I'll do a quiet meditation, either eyes open or closed, um, and just express gratitude um, just for my day, going home or to work. Uh, and I find that really important um, to connect that way. And um, yeah, I just, even at my desk at work, 
I have moments of mindfulness of checking in with my body or checking in with my mood, um, breathing. Um, so, you know, it can be as short as like 15 seconds of deep breathing mm -hmm. with my eyes closed at my desk and I just need to calm myself or, um, just getting out of the office building and going and sitting on a bench and closing my eyes. So I'll work it in through the day. Mm -hmm. um, there's other days where, where if I'm doing something like this or if I'm giving a talk or if there's something sort of big happening, um, I will sit and you can call prayer. Well, I'll sit in prayer and um, just ask for guidance and ask for clarity and ask for um, just to be received well and and to spread my mes message with truth and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I'll do deeper prayers for that kind of thing um, so that um, I feel connected and, and like my truth is being spoken. So, Right. I like it. Mm -hmm. Speaking yeah. of truth, let's talk about your Facebook page. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I have two, well, I have three Facebook pages and an Instagram account. Keeps me very busy. Um, so I have a personal Facebook page, which I'm not on as much. Um, and then I have the Rachel Kogan keto fit fit. It's more of a fitness page. Mm -hmm. uh, I've started sharing a lot more videos, workout workouts that I do because I get asked a lot with the more and more followers I get, I'm just getting asked, like, what do you do for this body part? Or, or I'm just getting so many questions mm -hmm. that I've just started. Okay. I'm just going to do these awkward videos and just like here you go I hope this helps and it's kind of I've I've started sort of enjoying doing them mm -hmm. but again it's a really busy gym most of the time so I was about to ask how you manage to film at, at, yeah. how busy the gym is. so literally setting the video camera on my iPhone and propping my phone somewhere and hoping no one will walk past it <laughs> and often they do or they kick it over and so some days you, or some weeks you will not see any videos and it's cause they're all just like the phone fell or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, you know, I, and I've had like people walk up to me and say, Oh, like, do you want me to tape you doing that? And I'm like, no, I don't actually. <laughs> Cause that's really weird. But uh, I'm not at that place yet where I have a videographer or anything. So it's literally propping my phone up. Uh, so yeah. And that's part of the reason I started my, I have a, well, you can call it a, a closed Facebook group. Um, and it's called Honestly Keto. And I started that group um, a few months ago. And again, it was because I was getting flooded with questions about the keto diet. People could see my success with it. Mm -hmm. People could see that. Um, and that's why I chose the, the word honestly, that I was really honest and there was no BS and there's no no frills basically this is just this is honestly what keto is and um yeah so i was just getting flooded with questions and so, sometimes like i would spend my entire evening answering the same question from people over and over and over and i hated not answering people like mm -hmm. and leaving people in the dark or not getting back to them and so i just said you know what i'm going to put this thing together and um everyone can come to the same place and I would, and people who private message me, I'd say, please ask it in the group. I'll add you to the group. Please ask it there. And then I can answer it. And then everyone can see the answer. Mm -hmm. And 
or someone else might have a better answer than me or be quicker to respond than me. And I said, you're always going to get more feedback that way <clears throat> and accountability and the community and that's that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. uh, it's been growing like crazy. I'm so proud of like, I'm so proud of it because I wasn't sure I was going to do it. And then, um, yeah, just the, the members of the group are just, they're just so fun and, and, and honest and I love it. So were there any self doubts you had about starting it? And if so, what did you do to overcome those? Like starting the Facebook groups or starting key, like starting, the keto. Starting the, you know, the Facebook groups and just putting like yourself the, in the position to where you are giving advice. Yeah, it's, that's a, it's a weird place to be because, um, like I said, I, like I'm not a doctor. Um, I'd wanted to take um, pharmacy training, actually. I'd wanted to take nutritional, um, holistic nutrition. I, I wanted to take all these things. Um, I did actually take a personal training course so I could offer advice in that way. Um, I haven't kept my certificate up, but I still know what I know. So it's like, whatever. Um, but I'm not, I don't have a number or letter beside my, my last name saying that, you know, I'm qualified to do anything, but I think people can see that I'm so committed to it and that I'm always going to give, um, an honest answer or say, I don't know if I don't know, or point them in, in, in the direction of a resource. But, um, so yeah, it's a weird dynamic because I like, I think the whole keto community that's sort of sprouted out in the last two years or whatever, three years, even, um, we're all self-taught mm -hmm. kind of. Right. So, um, and then I feel like with keto and like I said, with my background and having severe anxiety and depression and not good enoughness and binging and purging and all these, you know, um, issues that I had, uh, I lacked a lot of confidence. Mm -hmm. I was felt like there was something, you know, kind of wrong with me or off or whatever. And this new person that's grown out of keto, um, through the mental clarity, uh, and like the, just the vitality that I've experienced, like has made me just be like, like I've told you before, like you cannot shut me up <laughs> sometimes. I just like, I want to help people and I want to do it in the, the most honest way possible. And I don't know how to be any other way. Like I've always just wanted to help people and, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find the people who want to be helped and they're going to find me and we're, we'll work together because some of the stuff that people ask me, I, I have to go research. And then that helps me. Like I grow from that. Or when, um, you know, coaching clients, you know, a lot of it stems from the ketogenic diet, but there's so much more to it than that. There's getting away from, you know, self-doubt and, and lack of confidence, um, lack of support in your family, um, so there's a whole, it's a more holistic thing. Mm -hmm. So I find that when I'm coaching people through their bad days, it's not necessarily the food that I'm coaching them through. It's like helping them calm down or, or giving them advice on what to say to their husband or their son, um, who's making fun of their diet. So I feel like, um, I'm able to sort of use my, whatever it is, my knowledge or my, 
my calmness and my, um, I don't know what you call it. Anyways, I'm just able to help walk them through these things. And in turn, I find a good teacher is always a learner too. Mm -hmm. So as I'm like, sometimes as I'm saying these things to help someone, I'm like, that actually makes a lot of sense. And I find that I can use my own, um, my own advice, which is really nice. So, uh, yeah. So in some ways, you know, everyone's always going to question themselves and have a little bit of self doubt, mm -hmm. but when you know what you know, and you feel like you're speaking your truth, then it's so much easier to talk. So it's good that you have the confidence to say, I don't know, instead of trying to yeah. put together an answer on the spot to make <laughs> yourself seem competent when in reality that, you know, eventually down the line, people will catch on. Yeah. You don't actually know what you're talking about. So I, I, I think that's amazing. Yeah. That, well, and there's, yeah. and you know what, there's a, there's a sort of a fine line there where sometimes I just want to say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I, and I've had, I, we were talked about this offline before about um, a friend of mine who was talking about testosterone and he's like, what do you think of this? And I said, you know what? I, I don't know enough about testosterone to answer that. And then I said, but, and then I talked for half an hour <laughs> and I said, I've kind of doubted myself that, uh -huh. you know, I'd be able to answer you. And I straight off the bat said, oh, I don't know. And then as I sort of, you know, thought back I was like actually I do know that and I'm going to tell you what I know and I'm not going to be your doctor and I'm not going to give you you know medical advice to follow but I'm going to tell you what I know and I'm not going to say it out of just just to hear myself talk it's you know so yeah so it's a fine line of having confidence and knowing what you know mm -hmm. and not afraid to say it and um yeah so I think I have a good balance of that can you identify maybe your proudest moment from running these pages so far? Maybe a client you helped out of a major problem or something along those lines? That just really um, makes happy you, you have started these pages. You know what? I, and you'll often hear people who are like teachers or whatever or healers say, you know, if I could reach one person, then it's all worth it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've, I've exceeded that um, because I have friends who are really close to me who um, I've helped transition to keto mm -hmm. and have lost 60 pounds and are no longer on medications. Mm -hmm. um, and these aren't even people that I've necessarily coached per se, but they're just friends who we've just sat and chatted and I've just sort of talked them down off their, their cliff, you know, of like, ah, I don't know what to do. And, and I just, I, I, I feel like, yeah, I, I've exceeded that reaching one person and i'm really i'm really proud of myself for that because like i said if you if your audience isn't listening on, on the side you you find someone who will and yeah I'm, I'm pretty proud of that and another thing i'm really proud of is the first um i call it the keto lunch and learn that i hosted um back in february mm -hmm. um i've never done public speaking before and i talked for an hour in front of a room of like 15 or 20 girls um i wrote out a, a like a 45 minute talk and i just i was like who is this person like if you would have asked me two years ago to do public speaking i probably would have like walked to the other room and cried um but this is just it's just opened up so much for me like as a person 
that um, I'm really proud of that talk that I gave. Yeah. And I'm excited to do more and stuff like this. Yeah. Did you do anything specific to prepare for that or was it, were you comfortable because you know the material so well? Uh, a bit of both. Um, I'm an incessant note taker and writer and thought thinker. And um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I prepared for that. I, I practiced my talk probably a good 10 times, like full length, 45 minutes. Um, I would say it in my sleep. I was, um, I, yeah, I like to be prepared for stuff. Um, and, but I love the process too. Mm. Like, um, I've, yeah, I love the process of things. I, that used to be the thing that was like, why wouldn't it work right now? Like, why can't I be this right now? Why can't I be Rachel, the guru keto girl like now, like <laughs> so famous. And I'm like, because this is the fun part, like doing my first podcast, this is the fun part of like building and building and building. And I've really come to like, like that part of it, the building, because you don't want to get there tomorrow because then what happens after that? You want to build and build and build. So yeah. Focusing on the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. All right. I want to move into some quote unquote standard questions. Okay. So these aren't going to be necessarily related to keto or anything we've talked about. These are just things to give us a little insight into you. Okay. You have to live anywhere in the world other than where you live now. Where would it be and why? Well, <clears throat> as we both mentioned before, um, we're heading for a snowstorm today. <laughs> so anywhere but here. Um, you know what? I'm most creative when I'm outside in the sunshine. Um, and I've told people this before, that if I could go move to an island or a beach and live in flip-flops and jean shorts and sunglasses and sell ice cream and beer <laughs> out of a little like cart on the beach until I'm 75 or 80 years old, I'd be happy with that. I don't care where the beach is, just as long as it's sunny and I'm in flip-flops. And I'll just, that's going to be my living. Keto so. ice cream and beer? What's that? Keto ice cream and beer? Yeah, well, of course, keto ice cream and beer. <laughs> <laughs> but by then, you know, that's all the, the, there's going to be. So, yeah. So, yeah, anywhere I can be in flip-flops and just live my life with enough money just to, like, support food and, and a bicycle, maybe. That would be good. <laughs> what single book has had the biggest impact on your life? Mm. Well, as I said before, the big fat surprise mm -hmm. um, that I read a few months ago, um, that blew my mind. But I've also read a lot of spiritual sort of uh, self-help books. And um, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. Uh, again, blew my mind. Um, there's been a few. Um, and I, I, I go between those kind of books where it's really science-y and, and keto and health-related, um, and I geek out on those a lot. Mm -hmm. and, then, um, and then I have the books, like the self-help books and the spiritual books that also, like, I just, I love opening my mind to that kind of thing. And, uh, but yeah, The Power of Now, was, that was pretty good. Yeah. yeah that, I don't use the term life-changing very mm -hmm. often i would use it for that book <laughs> yeah i will i will definitely have a link to it 
for yeah, it's, everyone it's, it's a must read. I could not agree more. <laughs> what innovation are you most looking forward to in your lifetime? Okay, so I knew you were going to ask this, and I was thinking about it, and all I could think of was Dave Asprey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just want to see what he comes up with because I love following him. So Dave Asprey is the founder of Bulletproof, the Bulletproof Coffees and the, and the MCTs and all that kind of thing. Um, but he's a huge proponent of biohacking. Mm -hmm. And I seriously, like, I love, <laughs> I love the things he does. I think he's just so neat um, with all the biohacking. So any kind of biohacking stuff just kind of fascinates me. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I'd love to see, obviously, keto become more mainstream and uh, help heal people on top of that, all that other biohacking stuff. But I'd love to see people be healed through food instead of hurt and mm -hmm. cause illness through food. So, I like yeah, it. no fancy cars or anything like that. Just <laughs> What is one life-altering change that you would recommend a person make they can be done with just 10 minutes per day. Um, this is going to be cliche, but just prepare. Mm -hmm. Plan, what do they call it? Plan to prepare or prepare to fail, something like that. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> failing to plan is planning to fail. There you go. Um, I think having, having, so going a little bit broader than just like meal prep or anything, but having a, having a, a plan for your, who you are um, and where you want to be and why you're doing what you're doing um, instead of just floating through life. I think just having a, yeah, having a mindset practice where, where you know who, where, how you get to know who you are. Mm -hmm. um as a person and why you're here and why you do what you do i think just just always coming back to to your source and um yeah just the mind mindfulness practice i think um is most important i did not study on that question can you tell <laughs> <laughs> i was going to and i'm like oh, i'll just let it flow yeah anyways that's my answer i think just a mindfulness practice and just uh, not floating through life and just letting life um, happen to you mm -hmm. to live on purpose, basically. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Rachel, this has been a blast. And yeah. I really appreciate you taking the chance of being <laughs> our first guest on here. I think we have a lot of information. Yeah, I hope so. Take away and use. Are you have any closing thoughts or comments for our audience? Uh, well, I just want to say thank you for having me, and I hope I can maybe be back to be another like uh, landmark episode, maybe episode 100 or something. <laughs> uh, so thanks so much for having me too and taking a chance on me. Um, uh, yeah, I just I just want people to live a good life and know their why, why they do what they do. Um, yeah, just and try and be good people because it I makes the world it. go round. I love <laughs> yeah. it. All right. Thank you so much, Rachel. And for everyone listening, we will have plenty of notes and links to everything mentioned on the episode. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye, guys.